Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. And thanks for joining us at the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry. Along with me is Tim Parrish. And that little ditty that you were listening to in the beginning, uh, I thought we'd mix it up and do a little bit of different music at the beginning. So that is a disco song called Power Play, which is uh, appropriate for this episode because we're going to be talking about a set of hockey cards from 1993-94 called Power Play. It was made by the Fleer Company back when Fleer was a company. That song, though, is actually from a Guy Lafleur disco album, which should really be uh, the topic of its own episode. But a couple years ago, uh, Jim Howard, one of the Puck Junk writers, wrote like a, a write-up and review of that disco album. It was uh, like six or eight songs, and it's like, Two of them are just like disco-y tunes, and then the other ones are like Guy Lafleur just talking about how he trains for hockey with like a music background and like backup singers just kind of like repeating what he says uh, every now and then. But that particular song, Power Play, that's, uh, I love that song. It's just, it's such a 1970s disco song, and it just, you know, like I said, we're going to talk about uh, this uh, Power Play set of cards. So anyways... Uh, I've I've said a lot, Tim. Uh, how how are you? I'm all right. I was at least until I heard that song. You don't like that song? Oh God! Because I have the upper hand, baby, surrender, surrender. No. See, look, I like I like disco as much as the next metal fan, but <laughs> the fact that it's just wrong. I wonder was it one of the, was it one of the records that got blown up in Comiskey Park? in the whole disco demolition night. Cause it should have been, I don't know how a Guy Lafleur disco album would have made it to Chicago to get blown up for that. So I, I don't know, but um, yeah, I, uh, I don't have anything against disco. I mean, it was before my time. So like, I'll hear like a song and I'll be like, Oh, that's kind of fun and upbeat and bouncy, you know, but it's not like, uh, you know, I mean, you know, it's funny how they, they've said disco is dead, and disco's never really made a comeback, but it's it's really kind of, like, it's, infl- you know, like, you hear, like, well, like, techno music, right? Like, we call it techno music, but, but like, uh, there's, like, that sub-branch of techno called, like, Euro Disco. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, maybe. All right, well. Know. There's so many sub-genres and everything of all this kind of stuff. I have no idea what it is. I don't really listen to that type of music so i'm not familiar with all of it the kids like all of that that i call it untis music see back in the 90s back in the 90s i was dating a girl who was polish american so we'd go to like these polish dance clubs and they'd play like this euro disco music um which was like like uh not tech it was like techno but not like techno industrial like you know like fun techno like bouncy poppy techno kind of like erasure or um I don't say New Order, but anyway. Um, I know who those bands are. Yeah, right, exactly. I was just giving an example. So we're way off topic here. So, um, But that's easy to do when there's not much NHL news going on right now. I mean, last week or last show we talked about uh, the Chicago Wolves changing their affiliate 
agreement. Well, on Monday, the AHL Board of Governors met and decided to cancel the rest of the 2019-2020 season. So uh, it leaves a lot of loose ends that just never are going to get tied up. There's not going to be a Calder Cup champion. So do the Charlotte, Charlotte Checkers get to be champs two years in a row? Do they get to hang on the cup for two years in a row? Or does it go with the players who won the championship who are going to become the Wolves players next year? Do you know what I mean? So like, we don't get a we don't get a, a Calder Cup final, um, and I think also the, what's kind of sad is that the fans of the San Antonio Rampage don't get to send off their team because their team was purchased by the Vegas Golden Knights. They're being moved, um, and so San Antonio, the Rampage, which has been there from 2002 to early 2020, this is like almost 18 years there. Um, the fans don't get to say goodbye to their team. The team just is, you know, all right, season's postponed, season's over. Okay, now we're moving. So that, that kind of, it's a little sad if you're uh, a fan of that team. And then, um, you know, what do you do with, um, I guess the NHL will be able to grab some of those players. Because I was thinking about that. If the NHL, so just to just to give a quick comparison, AHL gets most of their money from the ticket sales. They don't get much for TV. Um, they don't really get TV revenue. It's really about ticket revenue, right? The NHL, they want to get that TV revenue. If they A lot of teams it. don't even get televised. Right. Well, there's the AHL TV. So they're, they're streamed online. The, Not everybody it, has access to that, though. This is true. And honestly, I don't pay for it because when I have center ice, I don't even watch it all the time. And so I'm not going to subscribe to an AHL streaming service to watch uh, AHL when I could watch NHL. It's kind of unfair to AHL. But even like Rockford and Chicago, I'd watch those two AHL teams. But, you know. But they get airplay on local TV, though. Uh, Chicago Rock- market, Rockford's on occasionally, but the Wolves games are on. The Wolves games are on, but I a lot of times I don't watch them. And a lot of times, so the Wolves games are on... Um, they're on like antenna TV. They're like on those weird channels like 26.2 and 26.3. And I don't even know what that translates to in uh, if you have like Comcast cable. If those are even channels that you can get. Not the ones you're saying, but they are network channels. Um, uh, like the UPN or something like that. Right. It's, even still channel. it's something like that. Right. But I mean, so. honestly, I'm going to watch the Blackhawks if they're on... If it's Saturday, I'm going to watch Hockey Night in Canada, no matter who's playing. If it's the playoffs, I'm going to watch whoever's playing. So I'm not like, oh, the Chicago Wolves are playing. I want to watch them. Even though I'm a, I'm a fan of theirs, and I've gone to a lot of their games over the last two seasons. So anyway, so AHL gets, you know, they're not going to get that gate receipt. So there's really no point in them playing, like, neutral site games and doing these quarantines and stuff that you hear them talking about in, like, baseball, right, or in basketball. NHL, on the other hand, there's TV revenue that's still up for grabs that they want. So they're, you know, exploring options of, like, oh, players will be quarantined, and they will, you know, they talk about hub cities, I guess, where, like, maybe the outbreaks are really low, and that's where they'll, like, be quarantined, and that's where they'll, you know, different teams will play and stuff like that. Um but yeah, they'd have to have some reserve pool of players because 
Um, I mean, if you think about it, how volatile the goalie and their rookie year, their first year, nights, how like goal was a good way to get injured because their first three, their first three goalies, you know, first string, second string, third string, all got hurt, and then you know they. Uh, you know, Oscar Dansk was their third stringer, and then uh, uh, Max Legacy. I keep wanting to say Manny Legacy. I think most of us do, but Max Legacy. Um, he ended up playing a lot of games, and then they brought in that um, that uh, kid, Dylan Ferguson, from the uh, from junior to play a period. So I mean, like you know, they really had a lot of turnover. So I can't see all of the AHL players going home. It's like, uh, except for the really good ones or the goalies. Keep your phones on. We might need you. Yeah. And, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys that have two-way contracts. So, I'm sure, and especially, it, it's going to make a big difference on where the NHL starts. If they decide to finish the regular season mm-hmm. versus whether they go to the playoffs. Because every year when you see the playoff teams go in, they're always calling people up to find right. spots here and there right. and everything else and giving the younger guys a shot at you know, playing some meaningful hockey. So, well, um, I mean, yeah. part of that is is you're playing a game every other day, and sure. these are more intense games. So you're going to get you're more likely to get guys are more likely to get injured because it's a more rigorous schedule, and the games have more meaning, and just like everybody's just raising it a level and and playing meaner. Like I mean, sure. I even remember Chris Chelios talking about like how if he was in the playoffs, he wanted to hurt the other guy. And he said, you know, like if it, like he talks about like in his book about like slashing Brett Hall and like just saying, I love Brett Hall, but you know, it's the playoffs and I want to win. And, and, you know, Holy's my friend, but we're opponents. And then he also talked about like, I'm glad I never had to face against Mark Messier in the playoffs because one of us would probably leave the game hurt because we both had that high intensity level. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you're getting guys getting hurt all the time um, and you need fill in players. So as you said, you know, the, the, the best ones and the, the ones on the two way contracts, absolutely. Right. Well, actually most of them are going to be on two way contracts. So that's not feasible. I mean, if an AHL squad has maybe 23 players, probably 18, 18 and, 18 skaters, two goalies are probably on NHL contracts, like two-way contracts. And then there's going to be a handful of guys that are just signed with the team, but not with the AHL team and not, not have any um, potential to be called up. It'll be, it's going to be the guys that aren't Tom Kostopoulos. Okay. You know, career, career AHLers. Uh-huh. They, they had a couple, couple drinks in the NHL, and that's that's about it. Or, uh, you know, Sestito is another mm-hmm. one. But, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. I mean, honestly, I wasn't surprised. I, I'm surprised it actually took this long, to be honest. And I, I, I still am I'm hopeful that they'll start things back up for the NHL and mm-hmm. the other leagues, but I, I don't know. I think the NHL and the NBA are both sort of doomed. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if this happened earlier in the season, maybe. It's like a race. It's like if you miss the first, if you mess up at the beginning of a race, 
you have time to make it up. Like Mario Kart, right? You're playing Mario Kart, right? And you're racing. And, like, if you crash in, like, the first lap of the race, you still have four laps or however many to kind of catch up, right? But if you spin out or crash in the last stretch of the race, you ain't got no time. You're out of time. That's it. You know what I mean? Everybody's headed towards the finish line. And so that's kind of like, that's why, like, you could have a season, like, not have September, October, November, December, but hey, we'll play January through June. You know what I mean? And and we'll just kind of truncate things or whatever. But now it's like, yeah, they don't they don't have a lot of time because now we're we're starting to almost butt up against the start of the next season. And everybody's running into the same things with finding venues to be able to play in and scheduling. Because normally everything's booked at every stadium across the country for the entire year. Right. Sometimes years in advance. But with everything being canceled, now everything's got to be rescheduled. It's not True. just a hockey game or two. It's everything. Right. Concerts, and- shows, venues events right you know all of it so you know i heard a rumor that the national might be moved to november i don't know if that's true wow the national i don't think i don't think anybody from the nscc has actually commented on it yet but there's all sorts of rumors flying around because as we've talked about before they turned the convention center in atlantic city into a covid hospital so right so i i mean i don't know it's just trying to reschedule all of this stuff it it you hate to say it but it's like 2020 has been canceled <laughs> yeah <laughs> we need to look much. forward to next year you know it's funny because like two months ago let me see march april may uh let's say 10 weeks ago we were talking about david Ayers, right and we were all just on the the top of the hockey world because not only did this story make hockey fans happy, this story made everybody happy, right? Like everybody was happy about that story. And we all had something to talk about. And we all pointed to this 42-year-old. They kept saying Zamboni driver because that just made him sound more like a, uh, you know, like a sad sack. Not that he's that, but like, oh, they had to get their Zamboni driver because <laughs> that's how far low they went to get a goal. You know what I mean? I mean, the guy was a facilities manager. And when you do that sort of stuff, you do everything from driving the Zamboni to, you know, opening locker rooms to, you know, other responsibilities that are hockey related, right? It's You're not just the Zamboni guy, but like we were on like, we were all on cloud nine because of that. And then, and then COVID comes along and just, you know, just peas in our cornflakes, man. And it just, it's just. (sighs) Well, here, not to, not to leave what I said loose ended or incorrect, but they did actually make an announcement. It has been tentatively rescheduled from July 29th through August 2nd to December. So I wasn't this that just the national this is on the national website. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, I looked at it a couple days ago and I did not see I probably looked at it two days ago. Did not see that message. Yeah. They have tentatively rescheduled it for December. See I was thinking November December twelfth through sixteenth. No way. That is insanity. Nobody. First of all, nobody wants to go to Atlantic City. And those that do want to go to Atlantic City, I'm sure don't want to go in the middle of winter that close to Christmas. 
Come on. It's still gonna. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's really. So there you go. Bad. Here you see what the biggest card show of the year in the United States, right? That's arguably the biggest card show in the United States. Well, or, they, or memorabilia show or whatever you want to call it. Biggest sports show collectors in the world. convention. Big, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I've never physically been to the sports card expo, so I couldn't really say if it's as big, if not same I'm size. Just, or whatever. I'm just going to say it's bigger. Okay, well, so here you go. Biggest show in the world. Can't reschedule until December, when logically in my mind, that makes no sense. So No, it doesn't. There you go. So there's an example of how it's affecting the, the card world, but... You know, I digress. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't see any way the NHL gets back working again. And if they do, it's going to be limited capacity. And you know, uh, we'll see. I guess. I'm just. Uh, I know I'm sounding defeated now. I was upbeat about all this, you know, weeks ago, but I'm just sick of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I just wasn't, I never wanted to get into that whole, like, what if scenarios, like, I just didn't care. Like, well, if things come back in May, then the NHL will do this. And if things come back in late May, then we'll, everybody will make the playoffs and teams will be seated one through. And I'm just like, I don't care. Just when it happens, tell me what the right thing is. I hate all this speculating on, you know, on, on, on what ifs. Right. And that, that's all. I mean, that's all we got. And it's still what ifs. And here we are a month and a half later, and it's still what if, because we don't know. ESPN had a good article today about. Um, ESPN had a good article. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wyshynski and Kaplan. So they they write good stuff, and they wrote a um, piece about um, what the NHL would do. Like this wasn't like pie in the sky, like guessing games. This was like they were talking about Hub City. Where, like, I guess you have all the teams converge in one place. So we're cutting, we're getting rid of travel, we're sequestering people. And then if you think about it, if they're only playing in at one rink, then you only, you don't have to have as much staff, right? So if you think of, like, uh, rink staff, right? You're not going to have, like, you could use, like, the same goal judges, not for all the games, but for most of the games, you know what I mean? Like you could, you have a smaller pool of support personnel that would be there. Right. Because like in every NHL arena, the off ice officials are provided by the team. And then I guess they do something, maybe they do something different for like the playoffs or the finals or whatever, but like the, uh, the penalty box timekeepers, the goal judges, those types of people work for the team and then it's the referees who circulate around the league. But, you know, if you have everybody in, let's just pick, I don't know, Denver, Colorado. I, I don't know why I picked Denver. I'm just picking a, a you know, because they, they talk about wanting it to be big enough. Like it has to be a rink that's big enough and it has to be a city that has enough practice facilities. So it would almost have to be like an NHL city. Yeah. I don't see how they can get around that. Cause I mean, Bettman's already come out and said, we're not playing in some podunk arena out in North Dakota. It's not happening. It has well, to be an arena I... that's, well, he said it has to be arena that's capable of handling an NHL production team. Oh, And those yeah, are big. TV. Yeah. So TV. if you can't bring in the cameras and you can't get the angles and you can't have the dressing rooms and the, 
you know, the back room areas and the office space and all of that kind of stuff, then they're not going there. So, you know. What's funny about this is that I lamented the loss of the neutral site games that we had in the 90s. And now we might have a bunch of neutral site games. Yeah. It's weird. Kind of like uh, Pro Beach Hockey, which was a roller hockey league in the 90s. And they all played, all the teams played in at the same rink. They just, you know, there were no home and road rinks. They just played in one rink. Right. And uh, it was, um, I don't know. That was just, uh, so I, I don't know. I'm uh, still just, yeah, just getting back to the AHL for a second. The um, Wolves fans don't get to say goodbye to their Wolves players because they are going to be, um, they are going to be in, uh, what was that suburb of Las Vegas? Henderson. They're going to be in Henderson next year. So we never get to give... Oscar Dansk and Garrett Sparks and and the rest of the gang uh, a proper farewell, a proper send off because they're they're going to be in Henderson next season. And which the, is kind of funny you said that because you brought up Garrett Sparks. There's also a Sparks Nevada that's north of there. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, Garrett Sparks is from around Chicago. It was kind of nice to see him uh, play for the Wolves. You know, he's a hometown boy. Yeah. Um. I just remember when he was with Toronto. Oh yeah, he was high. He was pretty highly touted, but then he disappeared for a minute. Yeah. So. Well, who knows? I mean, you got guys like Devin Dubnik who take ten years to to, <laughs> to yeah. become an NHL goalie. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember Craig Anderson um, playing a couple of woeful years in Chicago, then just spending a year in the minors, and you thought he was done, and then he comes back, and now he's just you know been like. A, a great goaltender, you know, a number one goaltender for, you know, shoot, like a decade. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just... Look at Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas oh, is another, another one. one. So, I mean, yeah, you, you got that kind of thing. Look, on the AHL thing, the, the only thing that bugs me, and this is more of a selfish thing, but every team's going to have this as their effect. Like, I follow... Uh, if, if people haven't figured it out already, I'm a I'm a Pittsburgh fan. I know it's shocking. Um, but I follow the Wilkes-Barre as well. And, you know, the WBS team, basically, you know, by, by ending the season and saying it's over with, the standings are what the standings are. Like, I think they came out and said, whatever it is at this point, when we stopped on March 12th, that's what the standings are. That's what's being recorded. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're going to, issue league awards it's going to be based off of that for the season mm -hmm. um but the thing that bothers me is all those young guys that are in the development programs that are getting their shots at the tail end of the season in the ahl to try to you know work on their conditioning and work on their you know their level of play at the higher you know higher rankings you know these guys that are coming from the queue that are getting a shot at the faster, you know, more competitive levels now don't get a chance. You know, these 19, 20, 21 right. year olds that, that, you know, this was their time to, to shine. Like if, in my case, you know, being a Penguins fan, you know, we have a lot of prospects that this was like the point in the season where they were going to get their shots. Like, you know, Sam Poulin, 
um, great young defenseman in mm-hmm. the program. He's losing out on a, the rest of the season of his conditioning and everything. Um, you know, uh, Pierre Olivier Joseph was another one, uh, another defenseman. They have a lot of defensemen. But, I mean, just guys like that, that just, they're not going to play. And they can't be brought, they couldn't be brought up if the NHL. Right. Like, right, I get it. They guys, whose guys, college, up. guys whose college careers have ended or their major junior careers have ended right. can sign a one-way deal with a, the AHL team to just get that taste of action. That's what happened with Cody Glass last season. The Wolves signed him. I mean, he was a he was drafted by the Golden Knights, but his um his season ended, and then they said, "All right, cool, you're going to play with us for the rest of the season." And then we knew that the next year he was going to be called. He was going to be on the Golden Knights team. You know what I mean? So we got to see that exciting player for like the end of the regular season and the playoffs. And then we're just like knowing, okay, well next year he's definitely not going to be with the Wolves right now. He's with the Wolves because of more or less a technicality, you know? So yeah, you're right about that. You do, you do miss out on that. Um, And yeah, I mean, a lot of things get scrapped or thrown by the wayside because of this strange season strange. I don't say strange happenings. It's not like a strange thing. I mean, it's a pandemic. It's a crisis. Right. You know, so and we've talked about it before. Everything's connected. It's like yeah. a domino effect, and the dominoes don't just fall forward in the line that they're in; they branch off into all different directions because so of everything we, that's going on. So, we gonna talk about this uh, Capitals player? Sure. Brendan Leipzig. Add him to the list of garbage cans on the Capitals. Oh wow! Tell us how you <laughs> real fe- really feel. No, I only consider one of their players a garbage can. And that would be uh, Alex Ovechkin? Would, no, that would be Mr. Tom Wilson. Mr. Tom Wilson. Right. So Garbage Brendan, can on skates. Brendan Leipzig, uh, why don't you tell the story? Well, I mean, I don't really have a story to tell about it because there's really nothing to say. The guy, look, he's having a conversation with buddies, friends, teammates, and his, his brother. brother, you know, talking about all sorts of stuff that guys talk about, talking about women, talking about his teammates, coworkers, other people, saying derogatory things, calling people names, you know, typical man talk. Of course, he's doing it all on social media, all on Instagram. Supposedly, somebody's Instagram gets hacked and everything gets then translated and posted on Twitter. And... He said a lot of dumb things. Look, you're having a conversation at a bar or you're just sitting in your living room at home and no one's listening to you. I don't care what you say. You live in this world where every single day somebody's canceled because of something they say. Why? Oh, why do you use social media and say all of this stuff? I mean... Oh, look, I'm not defending somebody, you know, being misogynistic or racist or any of that kind of stuff, because I wouldn't necessarily do that myself. But at the same time, if you're going to do that, why make it public for the whole world to see? Knowing that you're in a position where you're making way more than the average American or Canadian or Mexican 
or whatever other country you want to add. You know, he made what the league minimum seven hundred thousand. Yes, that's seven hundred thousand dollars a year that you're making. You're not going to go out and get a job at McDonald's and make that same thing. You're not going to go out and get a normal job. You're going to get canned from your company because no one puts up with staying stuff like that, especially yeah. in public. Yeah, especially with the NHL, you know, embracing the hockey is for everyone type thing. You can't have a player saying stuff like that. Now, I read some of the comments that he made, and it was just like, okay, it was just just to summarize. Now, I got about halfway, I don't even know if I was halfway through them, but I just got bored of it. Like, I was like, okay, this is mean, but it, okay, I'm not defending it, and I didn't read all of them because I got bored of it. But halfway through, I'm like, okay, you said that woman's ugly. That's not very nice. Okay, you said that woman's a dog, which also means she's ugly. Okay, that's not very nice. You know what I mean? And that was, to me, that was the gist dog, of it. Dog, pig, ugly, fat. I mean, all of it came up. All of these things. Okay, and I thought there was one where, like, somebody was, like, holding his wife or girlfriend, like, on his shoulders, like, like carrying her. And then he's like, yo, man, you're probably going to want to get your neck checked out after that or something. And I'm just like, wow, that's... That, again, that's mean. Right. That's not nice. But I don't put it at the same level of when Sean Avery made comments about his ex-girlfriend to the media after a game. Like, um, I, I don't put those at the same level because what Avery did was he said it to the reporters. In fact, he called the reporters over and then he said what he said. Yeah, he made a production out of the whole thing in front of the media. Right. And here's this guy just saying, oh yeah, she's fat. She's ugly. Right. And again, mean, but I wasn't just like, holy shit, this is terrible. I was just like, yeah, this is mean and, and you yeah. suck, but I'm not like, you know, like I'm I, not trying I, to defend it, but it's like guys in the locker room talking that's that's what it is yeah and hey did you I see guess... that chick in the crowd yeah blah 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 whatever right yeah no, i'm not defending it i'm just saying it is what it is the problem with it all is again we live in cancel culture now there's too much social media and you're always being recorded especially if you're in a high profile position like a professional athlete right the eyes are on you all the time and whether you're the star player on the team or some fourth line guy that may only play, you know, two out of four games a week. You're still under the microscope. Yeah. Everybody's waiting for you to do something stupid because there's somebody else right behind you that's taking your spot. So, yeah, if your account got hacked, okay, well, then you shouldn't have been on there doing it because you run that risk. Or just don't say it at all. One or the yeah, other. Yeah, I mean... And I want to bring up another example. Um, a couple of years ago when Andrew Shaw was, uh, he he said something in the penalty box. He said a, a slur against gay people. He was mad. He was yelling. And, oh, yeah, and he said that. something. And so it was kind of like where like some of the p- players were like, I didn't hear what he said. But then it was like, oh, well, you know, like we hired a lip reader to read what he said, what he mouthed. And I'm just like, oh, my God, people, just stop, right? Can you say it to a referee? Is yeah. that what it was? 
That's what I thought. And and I get it again. Not right. Not acceptable. But it's like we hired a, a professional lip reader. We've reconstructed the series of events to see, you know, if if. if you know, if he picked his nose or if he scratched his nose, I mean, it's just like people give it up, let it go. I'm not, not by any means saying that it's permissible to say slurs against people based on their gender or their looks or their, their race or their orientation, but it's just like, you know, and then even like then when Shaw was with uh, Montreal and it was like, the NHL wanted to have some sort of like panel on inclusion or ambassador of inclusion. And so Andrew Shaw volunteered, and then everyone's like, "Oh, what the guy who said the uh, the f word?" You know, um, you know, the for the slur, and and, and like a bundle the, of sticks, the bundle of sticks, and then it's just like, you know what? Why don't we just rub his, keep rubbing his nose in the shit? You know what I mean? Let's just keep doing that over and over. Remember that thing you did ten years ago, Tim? Well, we're just gonna remind you about it until you die. Yeah, most people do. Yeah, I every mean, bad it's... thing I've ever done in my life gets brought up all the time. That's oh, because I'm... I'm that's because I'm married, but that's a different story. That's a different story. No, <laughs> man, I am so glad social media did not exist. Hell yeah! In the nineties, I wish it didn't exist now. To be honest, I said some stupid stuff that I regret. Nothing like, nothing like. I, I mean, I didn't say anything racist or misogynistic, but I just said stupid things thinking I was funny. And I'm so glad that there wasn't like an Instagram to <laughs> to put that out there and say, hey, look at what this dumb college kid thinks is he's funny. And he said this thing and it's actually really offensive, but he thinks he's funny. Like, I, and I didn't know better. You, you know what I mean? I just we we do stupid shit and we learn and then we grow as a person. And that's the thing. Like, again. Not defending uh, Leipzig, but when do people get to grow as a person? Well, you make a mistake and you try to grow from that mistake. Unfortunately, you're not given that opportunity by the general public anymore. So so he'll be in the KHL next year. He's on a one-year deal right now. Uh, he's going to be an RFA with arbitration rights, meaning restricted free agent. Doesn't look like the uh, Capitals are going to want to keep him, uh, especially since he criticized a couple of his teammates who are doing a podcast. So, um, I mean, oh yeah, there's that part too. Yeah, was there more to it than that? Uh, yeah, he was railing on a couple teammates. So, you know, they yeah. just basically they just basically chastised him for everything that went down and. That was the end of that. So. Well, it's kind of hard once you criticize your teammates to have you back on the team. Right. Well, you lose that. You lose that respect in the locker room. So. Yeah. And guys can wants get over. Guys can get over it behind the scenes, and you know, f- fight it out and buy each other beer afterwards, and it's all mm-hmm. said and done. But unfortunately, um, this was put out there for the whole world to see. So. Right. Well, it is what it is. All right, so in uh, trading card news, uh, Tim already mentioned that the National Sports Collectors Convention is tentatively being, uh, is it tentative being moved from August to December? That's, uh, yeah, I don't think they actually set that in stone. I think it's, that's what they're trying to um, make work, I guess. I'm 
thinking of the all the married dudes saying to their wives, "Hey, I'm gonna go to this baseball card show a week before Christmas." Cool, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, that is the worst time. Uh, and I yeah. could... I'm going to Atlantic City right before Christmas. You know, it'd be you badass. Yeah, go to Atlantic City right before Christmas. It'd be badass if they brought it to if they replaced the fall Chicago sports spectacular with the national. Because the main Chicago sports yeah, I mean, yeah, spectacular is not happening. Cool. It'd be cool for so, us. I mean, we're selfish when it comes to that because that's. You know, that's a home team. That's a home game for us. That's a home game for us, man. Yeah, I mean, I but, love they have that but, national in Chicago. I mean, I, I go all five days. You know, I'm there all yeah. every, all the time. Yeah, it just I think they're they're committed to Atlantic City. And, you know, I, that's fine. I mean, it's got to be it, it's somewhere else every other year. So it's in Chicago every other year and it's somewhere else every other year. It's been in Cleveland. It's been in Atlantic City. It's bounced between the two for the last few years. So, you know, everybody says, "Oh, why isn't it? Why isn't it out on the left coast?" You know, they did Anaheim before. I think the problem is that they have a harder time getting everybody from the country all the way out there. But right. at the same time, who wants to go to Atlantic City? Chicago is more centralized. If you don't want right. to be in Chicago, put it in St. Louis. That's That'd central. Be fun. But in Kansas City, that's central. You know, I mean, I don't know. But, you know, I get it. And they got to try. I, I don't I don't see how they're going to be able to pull it off or get everybody, you know, on board with, with uh, jumping on it and selling the tickets. You know, the pre-sales of the tickets and, you know, even getting the autograph guests. That should, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's tough, especially with a lot of them being older guys who probably are like, screw this, I'm 70 years old. I don't want to risk getting sick. Retired players and it's close to the holidays. Right. I would think they'd be spending time with their family. Or yeah. maybe they've been retired so long they're sick of their family. I don't know. Yeah. So um, in other card news, Upper Deck's game-dated moments for this week. Card number 73 is uh, St. Louis Blues become first expansion team to reach Stanley Cup final during inaugural season. And card 74 is Cam Ward becomes first rookie to win six postseason starts. So um, those are available for $3.99 each from uh, Upper Deck uh, EPAC.com. Of course, you have to buy a pack of cards before you can... Um, Purchase the EPAC cards. You know, um, and if you're going to do that, now's the time because they got a bunch of stuff on sale this week. Really? Yeah. Um, I think we talked about one of them before when we were discussing um, the packs. Um, yeah. So compen- what is on? Compendium. Oh, Compendium. Um, yeah. Yeah. The Compendium from, I want to say from last year. Series one and Compendium mm-hmm. Series two from eighteen nineteen are all on sale. Buy one get one free mm. for the packs. Um, so the packs will cost you ninety nine cents. So you buy one, you get two. Mm. Um, and Parkhurst from eighteen nineteen is also on sale at twenty five percent off. 
mm-hmm. they're normally three fifty a pack. And if you're so inclined, fifteen sixteen fusion, which has the um, Connor McDavid rookie in it, those boxes are seventy five percent off. So what are they a box now? Boxes and cases. So a box will cost you four dollars and fifty cents. Okay. Now, real quick, I just want to point out though that those are purely digital cards. There's Fusion, no com- yeah, yeah, Fusion is digital um until you meld to a certain point. What? Uh if you you know how you can meld cards if you get so many of a card, you can turn it into the next level card. Like compendium. And so on and so on. Yeah. You can do that with almost all of their brands that have come out. Um, and you can turn, I think you have to go up to black in order for it to be a real card. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. So it's the base card and then it goes to gold and then I think it goes to black. And once you get to black, then that becomes a real card, but you need a lot to get to there. Probably if you're going to do it. Uh, yeah, I think for black, you need a hundred. I think it's I think it's five for the first level, ten for the next, and hundred for the next, or something something crazy like that. But oh, man. I mean, you can get to that point. You just have to work at it. But if you're going to four fifty a box, that's not bad. If you're but you'd have to, to buy, buy a lot digital. of boxes to get real cards. Um, in the case of fusion, yes, yeah, those are it's... more fun. Just. Hey, here's some digital cards. Jump in. A cheap way to jump into the, if you've not gone into the digital realm. Um, Parkhurst, the rookies in Parkhurst and the inserts are real cards. Um, And Compendium are real once you upgrade the base cards. Mm. So so that's, that's the story on those. But, I mean, it's pretty pretty good. I mean, if you're looking to buy, you know, if you're looking to buy something just to get the game dated moments, you know, for for uh, four bucks with the game dated moment card, mm-hmm. you can you can get two packs for ninety nine cents. Mm. Compendium. So. Mm. Wow. So, so yeah, and I'm actually I'm still working on my sixteen seventeen compendium set. I'm probably about fifty cards shy of. 900 cards but at this point i'm just i've been buying them all on comc because i don't want to mess around with combining cards because then i have to trade people for certain cards and i'm just i'm not that interested like yeah unless you're gonna go out and just buy them straight out right on the secondary market that's the only way to do it is to to go through the you know the old school process of trading no and i get which does take a while it's fun, but it's like, I'm just not that interested. You know what I mean? It was fun when I bought a pack of cards, you bought a pack of cards, and we just kind of swapped that way. And now this like, well, I need to get 10 copies of this Connor McDavid card, and then I can combine them, and then it's a real card. You know, like Pinocchio, now he's a real boy. You know what I mean? Now it's a real card. I'm just not... I don't know. It's too much work and too much expense. Like, actually, I did a cost analysis... And if a pack of compendium, hear me out on this. If a pack of compendium is a dollar, which is say a buck, and you get eight cards, but you need ten cards, ten of the same card. So that means that you would need eight cards and then two cards from another. So basically every 
it, it costs you a dollar twenty five to get ten cards. Right? It costs you a buck twenty five to get ten cards. So every time yeah. I have ten cards, it costs me a dollar twenty five. If I open a pack of cards and I get ten of the same or eight of the same and I buy another pack of cards and I get eight of the exact same as the first one and then I combine them, it still costs me a dollar twenty five to make that one card. I'd rather just spend fifty cents or thirty cents than a dollar twenty five and then have to chase around and be like, oh, I have seven um, you know, Evgeny Malkins and I need three more and then I can combine them. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's 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 a lot of work, and I'm just not that interested in, in it. It's actually a lot of work just to buy the cards on COMC because there's so many of them, and you don't want to. I'm not buying them all at once. I'm picking cherry picking them here and there as as I go along. So I've had to keep like this elaborate spreadsheet where I keep track of like which ones I have, which ones I need, which ones are incoming because I I usually ship my COMC orders twice a year, maybe. Yeah. Spring cleaning and, and Black Friday. Those are usually the two times I ship what I have in stock. Those are good times to do it. They usually give you deals. Yeah. I mean, that and then plus I had those upper deck um, uh, singles day cards to send, which I made the mistake of transferring those to COMC. I guess upper deck would have shipped them for free. And I had them shipped to my COMC account and then I had to pay to to, to get them. So... Eh, whatever. Yeah, if you add them into a bigger shipment, though, I guess it all pans out. But. So, uh, power play. I'll have my way. We'll talk about FLIR power play. Ugh. Sure, let's talk about power play. So, I wanted to talk about this set <laughs> for a while. I'm, like, the only person on the planet who likes FLIR power play hockey cards. And if, if I'm not... Okay, now, wait. Let me just backtrack a little bit. I'm talking about... Fleer Power Play, Power Play spelled as one word, P-O-W-E-R, no space, P-L-A-Y, capital P, capital P, uh, came out in 93-94. So that season was a season where the NHL said, look, card companies, you can only make two sets. You know, um, pro set, you and your six different sets or five different sets or what? No, no, no. I can't do that. Well, really three or four, but right. Like, uh, but pro set was out of the picture anyways, cause they were bankrupt, but they just basically said enough. Okay. We don't need you to put out nine different sets of cards, upper deck. You could put out two sets of cards and Fleer. You could put out two sets of cards and tops. You could put out two sets of cards. And then tops was like, Oh no, I guess we'll have to get rid of Bowman. Cause nobody's been buying Bowman. Right. Fleer was just like, well, we were only making one set of cards, but yeah, okay, we'll make a second set of cards since that's what the limit is, right? So they made this set of cards called Power Play. These cards are oversized. The width is the same. They're two and a half inches wide. But instead of being three and a half inches tall, they are four and 11 sixteenths inches tall. So they're almost four and three quarter inches tall. They're comparable to the old tall boy cards from the 60s, like the 64, 65 tops tall boy set. They're that same size. Um, the I want to say they were about, I can't remember if they were two bucks a pack or three bucks a pack. They were up, they were up there. They were not like a dollar a pack. They were definitely more back in the day. Um, 
520 total cards. Series 1 had 280 cards. Series 2 had 240 cards. Um, and then there were a bunch of inserts, um, 68 different rookie cards in the set. I'll talk about some of those rookies later. But really, like, yeah, the big takeaway of this set of cards is that they were oversized. They were taller than the standard cards at the time. That was a turnoff to a lot of collectors because they didn't know how to store the cards because they didn't fit in the standard card boxes. And so when they can't do something, when it doesn't fit, they don't like it. You know, like 89 Bowman Baseball. I like that set, but it's annoyingly bigger than the other Bowman, or excuse me, uh, bigger than the other baseball cards that came out that year, except for Topps Big Baseball, which I liked, but a lot of people did not like because they didn't fit nicely. They didn't fit in nine pocket pages. They didn't fit nicely in your standard trading card box unless you turned them sideways or did all this other stuff to, you know, fit them in. And then even then they didn't fit neatly. You had to like, you know, improvise. Well, and I think back at that time there weren't, there, there weren't cases or pages and everything else that were readily available that would fit these at all. So many times you'd go and you'd find these in a box or something where they were stuck in a top loader and then they had a soft sleeve flipped upside down to cover the top part that's sticking out. I saw yeah. that all the time. That's true because you're you're taught there there were pages for these in the nineties because when I was building this set, I actually was putting it in pages back in the day. If yeah, I, I remember I don't remember ever seeing them. But I'm sure they they probably existed because, I mean, you would think with Tall Boys existing when they did and the fact that they've always been a fairly popular set, somebody would have made something at some point. Right. So I'm sure they were out there. I just never saw them. Right. Well, I mean, it was either something you had to special order. I mean, now everything's so easy to find on the Internet. I mean, I even remember in, like, the early 2000s just, like, buying different sizes of Ultra Pro pages because I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of these 5 by 7 cards. I think I want to put them in pages. You know, oh, I got these uh, these tall boy-sized cards. I'm going to put them in pages and, and being able to buy, uh, buy those. Um, you're not a fan of this set. Yeah, absolutely not. Why not? I don't like this set. It, I think it was... It, to me, this set's a novelty. And it, that's proven by the fact that this was a one and done. You know, they came out with it the one year. They never came out with it after that. Because it was just... It was just horrible. It's too, Like you said, it's oversized. It's inconvenient. The cards get dinged up. And banged around easily because you don't know how to store them. You turn them sideways in a box. They slide all around. The corners get smashed. They get bent. You try to stick them in pages. The pages get turned. They get bent. Now, I don't hate all of them. Mostly just the base cards. Some of the insert sets in there I liked. For instance, yeah. Like the Rising Star set, I like that. And the, the, the Slapshot Artists, I like those. They remind me of like a, like a goofy Flare Ultra insert set. Um, but the rest of it, you can keep them. Honestly, right. I, I just don't. You know, it wasn't it wasn't my thing. They weren't they weren't in my wheelhouse. I thought they were more of a novelty. And to me, when something's a novelty, it should be small. 
Like, oh, here's, you know, here's a hundred card set. Not mm. here's a 520 card set. And if you buy a box of them, you're only going to get 396 cards, assuming you don't get any doubles, plus right. all of these extra inserts. You still won't have a full set. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy for something like that to be, you know. You said you it. like the rookie standout cards? Um, I the like rising, st rising Stars. No, I like the Rising Stars and the Slapshot Artists. Yeah, the Rising Stars are pretty cool. Um, got like these players superimposed against like a space background. And looking at the Slapshot Artists, you have like um, two pictures of the player, like a headshot yeah. in the background and then a. Uh, yeah, the player's ghosted in the background, like sort of in the blended into the team colors of the right of the design. You also have these um, uh, uh, global greats that do the the flag background. See, I didn't like the global greats. They're okay. I mean, I thought it, the global greats looks to me like it, it's like a ripoff of the Parkhurst International Stars. Yeah, they're always do. Yeah, the, the the flags have become an overused trope. The flag background on on trading cards. I don't mind using the flag though, but like on those, it's so zoomed in, like it is on those international stars. Like it's zoomed all the way in onto the flag. Right. So you, so you only see like a portion of it. So you don't really get that it's a flag because you're seeing a white stripe, a blue stripe, and a white stripe. Yeah. But you don't get that it's a a Finnish flag because you don't see like the cross. Right. You just see like stripes. So as far as you know, it's just background colors. Sure. And like the game breakers to me, those are kind of plain and just blah. The the second year stars ones, they they don't look that much different than the base cards. Well, like the netminders and the point leaders, those look a lot like the base cards. And yeah, let's actually talk about the design of the set. So I was looking at these cards, like just actually looking at the design. And the design of them is not that spectacular. No, I mean, really, the only thing this these cards have going for them, if you would even call it that, is that they're the taller size. Because the design of them is not that exciting. It's just a picture. It's a picture in a square frame. The border has like a gradient that goes from white to a color. Um, the player's head kind of sticks out a little bit at the top of the frame to just like break it out a little bit. But it's not, it's just kind of noticeable. It's not like... You know, and they don't even do that with, like, all of them. Like, sometimes the player's breaking out of the side a little bit. Yeah, um, it's either the head, their head on the top or their arm or their hand or something on the side. Except for, like, the studio portraits. They don't bother doing that with those. Um, so what's interesting about this set is that it had cards of Ducks players and Panthers players. Because that was the first year of, of uh, the Ducks and the Panthers. The uh, Florida Panthers and the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Or the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. As they insisted on being called those first few seasons. Um, I don't know why they had to be that. Even though I always called them the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Um, but. Uh, uh, what, so what they did was they used. Um, studio portraits like probably supplied by the team like pictures of the players uh you know these are like all media guide, guide pictures Be uh beg pardon they look like media guide pictures yeah pretty much they look like media guide pictures i mean here i got one of Stu grimson and he's like smiling and he's holding a stick and um you know and then on the back it's got like a different uh picture so i mean yeah they're like um they're uh 
post shots. And then they did that with a couple of the guys who changed teams in the off season. Cause I remember like seeing the John Casey card where he's like a Boston Bruin and that was in series one. And I was just like, Oh wow, that's cool. It's John Casey. And then Andy Moog went to the Dallas stars and there's a card of him. And then Ron Hextall went to the Islanders. And so uh, they included these three goalies in series one Um just like press photos or just like, um, you know, like portraits, like, you know, obviously either supplied by the team or they, they took them in the off season, but not game action pictures. And I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I liked that sort of thing anyway. Um, I mean, I remember in 0607 Fleer, they had a card of Martin Havlat and it was a, it was a, they used a publicity photo supplied by the Blackhawks. And I remember because Martin Havlat's first year at the Blackhawks was 0607. And I remember going to a signing event and he, I handed him the card to get signed and he looked at it and he was just like, wow, I've never seen that before. And then he's just like, I'm surprised they made a card of me in a Blackhawk uniform so soon because it was like November of 06. Yeah. And, you know, he was, you know, here he was with the team just like two months and he got hurt like right away. So he didn't even play that many games in the beginning of the season, you know, but it was just a, just like a, a, a portrait picture of him, you know? Um, so I, I've always kind of geeked out on that sort of thing. Um, I find it interesting though, that on both of those expansion teams, the last five cards in the team set are not portrait pictures. Oh, but that's, those are from series two. So by series two, they were able to get some, game action shots from the beginning of the 93-94 season. It's just, I think it's weird that they wouldn't have kept that consistent. No, because an action shot was always preferable. I could see that, but you're, you're, you're introducing a team, right? Right. So introducing the team with, with photos like that kind of gives it more fanfare. Oh, I, I like it. I mean, I remember when 91-92 uh, Pro Set Series 1 had four cards of Sharks players. And they were those team publicity photos. And I know that for, for a fact because I have a 91-92 Sharks media guide. And they took pictures of all the players like that against a black background. And I thought... This would have been a really cool set just to have all 25 of the Sharks players against the black background. And when Pro Set Series 2 came out and they used like game action shots of the Sharks, I was just like, well, okay, I understand why you're doing that. But I really would, yeah, I'm with you. I would have agreed that it would have been cool if they just did all of them as portrait shots. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, it's different and, and we like different. Um, there's a couple of interesting tidbits about this set. Um, oh, but in regards to the design, the design is not that great. It's a picture on the front at the bottom. There's the name and there's the power play logo. And then, uh, the team name is actually, um, superimposed over the bottom of the photo, but you almost can't see it because it's like, it just, it doesn't look good. Like on Gretzky's card, you could see Los Angeles Kings because, it's superimposed over the ice by his skates. But right. for somebody like, um, uh, let's see, like Stu Grimson, 
you know, you can't really see the team name that well. It's there. It's a little bit. It blends in with the picture, yeah. Blends in with the picture. It's not that exciting. And then I'm like struggling. I don't really even see it on Ron Hextall's card because um, it doesn't appear to be there. So, Uh, yeah. So they weren't even consistent with that. Um, So the backs of the cards have a second picture. The picture on the back of the card is almost the size of a picture on a regular hockey card, right? Like, right. so the back of the card has a picture that's pretty big, and then the front of the card has like a bigger picture than what would fit on a standard hockey card. Now, you got to remember in 1993, we didn't really have the internet as we know it now. Um, you know, the web. So we weren't like Googling pictures of our favorite players. Like you would keep things. I don't think Google even existed yet. No. If we were using anything, we were using Lycos or Magellan web crawler or, Oh, AOL keyword uh, hockey, right? Yeah. AOL. Um, But so what I'm saying though, is that, we collected the trading cards because they had pictures of stuff that we liked. We, they had pictures of players that we liked. So for me, having a bigger picture of a player that I was a fan of was cool. I mean, I liked hockey cards. And so to me, I actually bought Series 1 back in the day. And by the time Series 2 rolled around, I actually did not buy it. I said, you know, I'm just going to find a complete set somewhere somehow because... I had spent a lot of money on Series 1, and I, it was hard to build a set. I think I bought, like, two boxes or three boxes, and the collation I remember not being good because I ended up not building a set, having, like, hundreds of these cards, and then I didn't want to do the same thing with Series 2. So I said, yeah, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to focus on Topps Premier, Top Stadium Club, and Upper Deck, and I think those are really the sets that I just really keyed on in on for 1994. Um, I liked power play a lot. It was always something I wanted to come back to. And in the early 2000s, when I got back into collecting hockey cards, I remember tracking down a complete Series 1, Series 2 set for pretty cheap. I'm still trying to track down all the inserts. I still need quite a few. I'm trying to build a master set. Uh, but, um, you know, like I said, it's a it's a set that I've been fond of for you know, over 25 years. You can still buy boxes of it. Yeah. 25, 25 bucks. 30 for... bucks. So Ronick, Jeremy Ronick was like the spokesman for Fleer for first couple of years. So he was like, um, you know, he was on the box and the wrappers of power play series one. And, uh, on the box and wrappers of power play series two was Chris Pronger, which is pretty cool. He was a rookie, highly touted rookie. They didn't they didn't put Alexander Daig on the box. That could be the only card product that's ever come out that had Chris Pronger as the cover art. I can't yeah, think of another one. I bet it is. Probably no, maybe a set in the right around the year that he won the Hart Trophy, like 99, 2000. You know, when he was, like, on the cover of, like, NHL games and stuff like that, maybe around then? I don't know. I can't think of, I can't think of a card product that I've seen him on the, on the box of, or on the wrapper, or anything. Not only that, a Hartford Whaler. Yeah. 
So a Hartford Whaler, a rookie, and uh, Chris Pronger. Yeah. Chris Pronger is a Hartford Whaler rookie. Yeah, on on the box and the packs of Series 2. I do remember the ads. There were magazine ads. There were like two-page ads and like Beckett and whatnot. And they would have a picture of a power play card. They needed two pages because the cards were so big. Well, I, I want to say I remember this being a two-page ad because I remember there being um, a power play card and it said actual size and then it had like a white rectangle and it said put standard hockey card here, right? So you could place a card. Not really place a card. The point was that their, their cards were bigger cards and therefore that were 25% bigger or whatever. I just thought that was a funny Your silence speaks volumes. I I don't remember seeing that ad. I'm going to have to find it. Yeah, because it had Ronick, and then it was like introducing new FLIR power play cards, and then it's like our cards are bigger, and then it had like a car, actual cards shown or car, actual size, and then it had like a, a white rectangle, and it said place ordinary hockey, something like that. And then you could just, you know, do a side-by-side comparison. So... I said that there were 68 rookie cards in the set. Some of the notable rookie cards. Now, these guys are found in other sets, but so eight, uh, eight, Adrian Acoin, Jason Arnott, Darren McCarthy, Chris Osgood, Garth Snow, Jocelyn Tebow, and uh, future NHL coach Peter Laviolette also has a rookie card in the set. Because towards the end of the set, they featured... Team Canada and team players on the national team, most of them went on to play in the Olympics that year, including Laviolette. He was the captain of the 94 Olympic team. So he has a card in this set. He also has a card in Fleer Ultra. So it's just kind of interesting that, because Fleer also did cards of Olympic players. I don't want to say Olympic players because it's the national team players because some of those guys got cut and didn't actually go to the Olympics. Right. But I was going to say, they weren't all on the Olympic roster. They weren't all on the Olympic roster. Um, so, yeah. So, P-Lav, as I like to call him, is in that set. As I'd like to call him, future Blackhawks coach P-Lav. Um, because the Blackhawks <laughs> fired President John McDonough, which is surprising. But, you know, first you fired the president, who was protecting the GM that everybody wants to see go. Then you have the GM that everybody wants to see go because the president isn't protecting him anymore. And then um, you hire the new president and the new GM, and then the new GM gets to pick the coach that they want and not the coach that they were given, right? That's why Quenville never fit in. Bowman didn't get to hire the coach that he wanted. He got Quenville for better or for worse, obviously for better, because Quenville's a great coach. Um, but Quenville was the guy that Dale Talon wanted. Right. But I'd like to see Peter Laviolette as the next Blackhawks coach. So I hope this happens. When when the whole pandemic ends, um, no disrespect to Jeremy Colleton, uh, I think he'll actually continue to be an NHL coach because I don't think he's doing a bad job of coaching the Blackhawks. But I just look at, like, who I would like to see as the coach. You know, I joked about Bruce Boudreaux. I don't really want Bruce Boudreaux as the Blackhawks coach. I mean, he'd be interesting. 
interesting to play with the team for like six or seven games back in 85, 86. But Lavulette would be my choice. Um, So yeah, so P-Lav has a rookie card in this set, which is funny because it's a rookie card, but he's pictured as a um, Team USA player. Even has got an eagle in the background because America... And, uh, you know, and a, and a those cards aren't that flag. Bad. I'll give I'll give them this. Those card designs aren't that bad. No, they're not that bad. The, um, eagle, the eagle in the background. That's kind of cool. I don't like the Team Canada ones because it's just the flag again. Right. And but yeah, the eagle one on the Ameri- on the USA one. That's that's not bad. Yeah. So. Um, so there I added three more percent to my likeness. OK, so, so we're up to. 14%. So there's no rookie card in this set that's like a unique rookie card that would make you want to buy the set. Not like the 9091 score with Martin Broder and Eric Lindros, where like those guys were only in that set that year. So there's really nobody unique because all these guys that I mentioned before have a rookie card in at least one other set. Pretty much all of them, except for P. Lev, have a card in Upper Deck. Um, Rookie cards, I always like to feature this. Rookie cards of bit players found only in this set. So there's a player named Neil Eisenhut. He played 16 games. He has a card with the Vancouver Canucks. So that's like his uh, his only card. Like, he probably has minor league cards, but that's like his only um, NHL card. So for what I'm, you know... I, I say he's a one-card wonder, and yeah, maybe he has a junior card or a minor league card, but as far as NHL cards, he's the only, that's his only card um, in that set. Say, according to Trading Card Database, he's got 13 total cards. Okay, but how many of them are NHL cards? Uh, you have that one in your hand. Yep. Because the rest of them are either pro card or Hamilton, or St. John's, or they came from, like, Classic, or the, uh, remember Edge Ice? Collector's Edge came out with a hockey set. Yeah, he's in there. He's in there, too. So. That's it. One of these days, we'll have to do a, we'll have to do a show about um, Classic. Oh, classic. Oh, classic. If only you were worth something. I could have been a millionaire. Hey, the memories are priceless. That's right. Going into Toys R Us in 1992 and seeing that uh, classic draft pick set hanging there on the peg. And just going, oh, Eric Lindros. And buying that set. And then years later, finding out that the ones that they sold in retail didn't even have the Rocket Ishmael surprise bonus card. Right. So, yeah. Um, that, that in Classic 4 Sport, I think I have 5,000 of still. Classic 4 Sport is one of those sets that I'll find them at a show for like $2 for the whole set. And I'll buy the whole set just because I want the hockey cards. And I'll put the hockey cards in the pa- in pages, and then the other cards I'll just like leave in the box because I just don't, you know, I don't need you gotta, to have. You got to give the ninety, what was it, the ninety one or the ninety two set some credit. There's a Shaq in there. There's a Derek Jeter in there. They're not worth that much. Oh were, yeah, I mean, no, I mean, 
They had the right idea, though. Four yeah. Sport for me is a tough, what was tough because I was just like, well, that means I'm only going to like one out of four cards. Because at that point, there was so much hockey out there that I never went bored and bought other sports. Like all the times that I dabbled in baseball, football, basketball, or that I collected non-sport, it was because I'd buy the hockey set and then there was nothing else to collect. You know, once you have the top set and the OPG set and you've given up on completing the Panini stickers or you can't find them or you just stop caring, then you're like, hmm, okay, these Gremlin 2 cards look fun. Maybe I'll buy some packs and build that set. Or these Ninja Turtle Gremlins cards. Two. Gremlins 2, the new batch, right? Um, you know, or or, or um, 8990 NBA hoops, right? I collect 8990 hoops because one stops and the OPG hockey sets and maybe your Panini, what do you buy? Yeah. I couldn't buy craft cards in, from Canada, like not cheaply anyway. So you buy what's what's around. So, but by like the 94, 95, like around there, I wasn't like classic four sport. I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time. Baseball, basketball, football. I'm just going to, you know, I'll just buy some more hockey cards or different hockey cards. I think classic went all in on Dallas Drake back then. Because it seems like everything I ever got from Classic, it had Dallas Drake everything in it. Yeah, including, I have this, including like his, or what were they called? Um, Fantastic li- lim- limited editions. They were like it, they were like parallels, but they were like limited edition and they were foil stamped, numbered out of like two hundred and fifty thousand, which was limited back then. Yes. I mean, I remember getting a Dallas Drake card and it was like Dallas Drake, fantastic frosh. And I'm like, yeah. I guess is that like a cross between freshman and sophomore? Um yes. I don't know. I don't know. It was just like I'm I remember like seeing that card and thinking, wow, this Dallas Drake guy's gonna be really good, right? Well, yeah, because he was all over a lot of those products. We're like, oh, here's the next the next big thing. Okay, who? So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. So um, looking at power play, so um, just some notes that I have here from actually when I did my rundown of the 93-94 hockey card sets and I ranked them all. I ranked Upper Deck as number one. I ranked 93-94 Fleer, uh, Fleer Power Play as number two. That was my oh. second we, favorite we set. We can't all be perfect. No, I mean power play is not perfect, but it's it's close. Um, if see. by close you mean far away, then you are correct. I mean, it leaves some to be desired. They're over the cards are oversized. The it's an acquired taste. Ten years of statistics on the back, no more than ten years, so they're not complete. But um, you know, and the other thing is, just looking at my notes here. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think that probably because the uh, oversize, the cards were oversized. So the next season, Fleer went all in on Ultra. And then they... I'm trying to think. They did Ultra. They did Fleer, just Fleer. And they did Flare, F-L-A-I-R. But if I remember correctly, Fleer and Flare came out after the lockout. 
because the cards were just called Fleer 95. Right. So that, or maybe they were, came out in 93, 90, maybe they came out, I'm sorry, 94, maybe they came out at the beginning of the season, but were just called Fleer 95. I don't know, but they definitely, they, they ditched the power play idea because they tried with these bigger cards. They were not widely accepted by collectors. And, and so they decided to go with more standard size cards, but instead um, they made the set called Flare where the cards were printed on like super thick card stock and they were like shiny and all this, you know, like a premium card. They actually came in like these boxes that looked like, like fancy cigarette boxes. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see a pack of flare? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a two part box. Right. Like you lift the top off of the bottom and the cards are in there. Like I think of like the fancy cigarettes. My, my, my dad used to smoke in the eighties. Right. That like had like the, 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 those had the lid that flipped up, you know, but still it was like that kind of idea. Like, um, so yeah. So Fleer obviously went in a different direction um, cause these cards weren't really like, you know, if you cut them down to standard size, they weren't really any better than score series two or upper deck or, you know, actually these are pretty, pretty damn close to upper deck. Like the, the photo quality is good. The card quality, the card print quality is good. Um, I only had one power play card for a very long time yager nope it was the brett lindros canada team canada card and i had it i didn't get it at the time i got it later after the fact and i remember getting it for the sole reason that somebody scratched out brett on the back and wrote eric wow and i had that card for a very long time too bad cancel culture didn't exist back then yeah see that um, card was that card was big back then though, with all the hype around the whole Lindros family and everything else. But well, Brett never got a he never got his fair shake, but well, he got hurt and concussed yeah. and that was injuries and it. concussions and yeah, who knew the whole family was concussion prone? Yeah, you know one card. There's a couple cards here that I I want to highlight. One is that there's um there's one card of uh, Dirk Graham. Uh, that's st- stands out to me as cool for a couple of reasons. There were not a lot of pictures of uh, Blackhawks at home games. I mean, there were you will find players of pictures of players in the white jerseys. I mean, I remember Greg Millen's ninety ninety one scorecard. He's wearing a white jersey, and um, you know, there's probably other instances of of the pictures being taken at the old Chicago Stadium. But they didn't have, like, the right lighting. Well, they didn't, like, photographers didn't like taking pictures at those games because they didn't have the lights that were, um, I guess, they're, like, synced to go off with the cameras. Or maybe they, I'm trying to remember now, but, like, they just didn't have, uh, they weren't very, it wasn't a very photographer-friendly rink. And if you look at this particular picture, and I'll put a scan of it, um, beneath uh where you're you know where you're re- listening to this blog post if you scroll down i mean the background behind graham is dark so it's just kind of a cool picture like he's like emerging from the shadows right like it's like those think, old school pictures where everything's dark in the background right and the, the player's bright because they're hit with a flash or something yeah. 
So I like that card. Another card that I like is um, it's it's a card of a Panthers player named Doug Baralt. And the reason why I like this card is because he ended up playing for the Chicago Wolves the next season, like on their inaugural team. So I remember like maybe the next year going through my power play cards and I'm like, oh my God, no way, Doug Baralt, right? Like, cool, he has a card. Like, And then I remember like even like, going through like my 9091 score and losing my shit because I had like seven Steve Malte cards. Steve Malte was the prospect with the Capitals and he's in the 9091 score top prospect subset. Um, but he ended up being like the Chicago Wolves, like best player of like all time. Cause he played with the team for like seven or eight years or something ridiculous and was the team captain and just like, a ridiculously good player for the team. I mean, his jersey is retired, which shows you how good he was with the Wolves. But, um, you know, it's always fun when you, like, go through your cards and then you find, like, an NHL card of a guy who ends up being, like, one of your minor league heroes years how later. Many, how many games did he actually play for the Cats? Two? Uh, Baralt, two. He played two, two with the – um. he played two cards – or two cards. He played two, two games. games with – the North Stars and two games with the um, what's it called? Um, Panthers with with the Panthers, uh, but he had um, he had like three cards. He used Fleer Power Play, Fleer Ultra, and oh sorry, he had a ninety four ninety five Fleer Ultra, and then he had a ninety three ninety four Score Top Rookies. So he was in that set as well, um, you know, because at that point if you if you put on a Panthers jersey, skated around the ice for a minute, and then went back to the bench for the rest of the game, they'd be like, all right, that's good enough. He played in a game. Yeah, that's all let's, it took. Let's give a rookie card. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I like the set because it's unique. I will admit that it is it is tough to store because you have to buy special pages for it. Like, even when I was, like, storing and ultimately getting rid of my um, doubles, um, you know, you can't really stand them up in a box. I'd have to put them sideways and, you know, figure out, like, you know, if I put a little bit of, like, bubble wrap here, then they'll stand up nice and straight and not get bent. Yeah, it is a pain in the butt. Like, buying penny sleeves for them, pain in the butt. Top loaders, if you can even find them, pain in the butt. Like, everything about that. Um, but if you have it in pages and you page through it, it's actually a pretty fun set. And it's good. It's kind of like a good, um, uh, I don't want to say microcosm of the 90s, but it's definitely a good example of the 90s hockey where they were trying different things and not everything stuck because i mean think of stuff like holographics and power deck and flare and um metal universe and like all these different things you know um steel preferred steel and all these different things like these gimmicks that they tried that didn't work but they they tried all these things pogs for christ's sakes right i mean yeah they i tried like preferred all these... steel though because they were actually metal those are metal cards yeah yeah i have i have a full set dude that... I have a full set in pages, and let me tell you, that probably weighs a ton. Is, it is heavy. Yeah, it's bet. like taking it out of my, off my shelf is like, whoa, yeah, because those are like metal cards. Yeah. Like metal, like not like heavy. They're like heavy metal, but not like heavy metal. They're like metal, but not metal, if you know what I'm saying. They're, they're not throw up the horns metal. 
No, no, that would be uh, that would be Fleer Universe. Yeah, there you metal go. Universe is, is definitely metal. Um, so yeah, so um, anything else you want to say about this lovely, lovely set of hockey cards? There was nothing did, I wanted to say to start. So did you I buy them really back in the day? Else. No, I did no. not. Like I said, I the only card, the only Fleer power play I had was that Brett Lindros I picked up, and that's only because it was defaced and I thought it was funny. But yeah. I mean, I have a few. I don't. I don't have the full Penguin set. I have some. Brian Frotti's in that set. I never picked it up. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I bought like a bo- a couple boxes of Series One, and I remember Series Two. I remember like I used to work at this comic book store, and I had quit working at that shop by the time Series Two had come out, and. They were still pulling comics for me. I would check in every week or two and buy, still buy comic books. And my boss put an entire box of Power Play Series 2 with my books that were on hold. And I like bought the comic books and I looked and I said to my former co-worker, I was just like, oh yeah, tell boss man, I don't want these hockey cards. I'm like, they're just they're too much money and they're not. They're just too hard to put together. But I remember seeing Chris Pronger on the box and being like, well, that's an odd choice. Whaler's rookie, Chris Pronger, is the guy that you're using to sell this box of Series 2. Now, if it had been Ronick again, maybe I would have fallen for it and be like, ah, Ronick, okay, I can never say no to you, right? But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, it was a set that I couldn't complete in the day, and it was something that I always wanted to come back to when I did, and... Eventually, I'll track down the rest of the um, the rest of the uh, inserts, and then I'll have a master set. I actually, I'd send a lot of these to get signed, just because so many players were in it, and especially like so many guys that like. Now that um, I could see, because you got a lot, a lot more surface space to sign. Yeah, you guys and, you don't know, have to be just you know the the guys that are picky about signing on their picture and stuff like that. You got all that space. Yeah. There's either a lot of jersey that they could sign on or they could just sign over their legs because there's a lot of uh, room down there. Yeah, it's 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 a good – well, I say it's a good set. You say it's not a good set. So yeah. we definitely disagree on this one. It's not so, convenient, which to me that's a big thing. Yeah. Convenience and the ability to store it were more my biggest turnoffs. Like I said, I'd like to have the penguin set, but I only have a few cards from it. I think there's 17. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't have I definitely don't have that many. Well, like I, do, other, okay. I, I don't I know I don't have the Pat Neaton rookie card. Ah, Pat Neaton, yes. He's also in score that year. He was in a bunch of the He was in score, he was in Donruss, he was he was one of the rookies that was showcased for the Penguins. That, yeah, good luck finding people who know who he is. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and then there's like, uh, they did a good job of like including, like, Series Two has guys who change teams and uh, rookies, and uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just. That was pretty standard back then anyways. I mean, you get that now in Upper Deck Series, too, so it's not like it's unique. Um, but it was, I, I don't know, it was just, to me, it was just a, I mean, I liked the set. Um, 
But uh, then again, I, I pretty much like every hockey set from the 90s. I mean, there's still a lot of cards I don't have from the 90s, but there's a lot that I already do have. You know, it's, it gets harder to find stuff that I, uh, that I don't have. FYI, a little update. I actually, because a couple episodes ago, we talked about 86-87 Tops and Opeechee, and I was just like, oh, I'm surprised they don't have the 86-87 Tops insert stickers i actually picked up a set for 10 bucks on ebay whole set with gretzky and lemieux so that's one less thing i don't need now because i was able to find it which is nice wasn't gonna mess around with 50 cents a card on comc for the logo stickers when i could just get the whole thing for 10 bucks shipped yeah 10 bucks shipped I nice. had eBay cash, so even after tax, it came out to like $9.07. Even better. Yeah. So, um, all right, I think uh, I think you're out of things to say about uh, Fleer Power Play. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk about Power Play anymore. Now, Power Play did come back as an upper deck set in the late uh, 2000s, uh, but it was Power Play with two words. I know it was like one year it was a boxed set. And it was, and then the update set was also a box set. And like another year, they were um, just like standard, like a standard set. But it was power play two words, not power play one word, and not uh, oversized cards. We'll probably never see oversized cards again. Like it'd be pretty tough sell. What was that? Oh six, oh seven. Power play was like a retail only. No, I bought a box at a card shop. You did? I did. Okay. I yeah. only remember retail packs of that, I think. There were other years that it was retail, and I want to say 0809 was the year that it was um, a boxed set. It could be. And then there was like an update for the box set. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I Again, um, Probably not likely to see oversized cards like these because, like Tim said, they're a pain to store. They're an inconvenience. Um, but uh, Save it for the tall boys. Yeah, definitely. Um, sure, if you want to spend $10, $15 on a common card in X condition. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about maybe doing that. Going, Starting what, to go uh, after just vintage. Yeah, you can't go wrong with vintage. Yeah. I don't know. I have too much too much modern era stuff that I have to get rid of first. Mm. Yeah, I think that's everybody's problem that collects cards. They just accumulate so easy and there's so many of them and you just don't uh you know, for a long time I was just donating them to uh commons for kids and then uh just just to get rid of just because I had so much and i was just like what am i gonna do with these 96 97 score commons what do you do with them you donate them or you throw them out or they just sit in a box forever yeah unfortunately um so all right uh if you enjoyed this podcast be sure to subscribe we're on apple music we're on google play music we're on Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else where uh, podcasts are found. If you enjoy the show, please also consider buying a Puck Junk t-shirt at shop.puckjunk.com. 
And likewise, if you like talking about hockey collectibles and hockey culture, join the Puck Junk Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash puckjunk. If you want to talk with me and Tim, um, I can be reached on Twitter at puckjunk. He could be reached on Twitter at the real DFG. Tim, any uh, final thoughts? I'll get my way with the power play. <laughs> <laughs>